0: This is Gary Barnett, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Enjoy!
1: Hello! Yes, there may be no Fulham game this week because of the first international break of the season, but there's still plenty to discuss when it comes to Fulham Football Club. So I've rounded up lifelong Fulham fan and football finances expert, Tristan Potterichic and your friend of mine, Danny Smith, to look back at our business in the transfer window given that it closed on Tuesday evening. Plus, in light of some criticism aimed at Fulham from fans of other clubs in the championship about the financial resources available to us from the Premier League parachute payments, whilst we got Tristan with us, we thought we'd set the record straight about a few things. Make yourself a cup of tea, sit back, put your feet up. My name is Matt Boisclair, and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Right, lads, let's have a look at the uh, the transfer dealings then. So the transfer deadline passed for a, for a, another summer. In addition to Harry Wilson, Paolo Gazzaniga and Rodrigo Muniz, the two Watford lads, Nathaniel Chabala. Is that how you say his name? Chabala? Chabala, yeah. Chabala. The two Watford lads, Nathaniel Chabala and Domingos Kina, joined on Tuesday night. Just got a couple of facts about the pair of them. So... Uh, Domingos Quina uh, played 14 times for Watford last season, scoring once before joining Spanish side Granada on loan, where he played eight times and scored twice from January onwards. He's on loan with us with an option. Uh, he's an attacking midfielder. He's not, not worked with Marco Silva before, and he's Portuguese. Uh, whereas Chabala, he's a 26-year-old midfielder who played 38 times and scored three goals for Watford last season. Obviously, they went up last season as well. What I did notice was that he was booked 12 times, though. So, may have a discipline issue there, or we may not. We shall see. Um, I watched the interview he did with the club when he joined, and he talked about the leadership he's going to bring to the dressing room, how he already knows a lot of Fulham players, and he started off in the Fulham Academy. The pair of those guys are mates from Watford, good mates. You can see there's some chemistry between them. Tristan, do you know much about either of these two? What, what do you make of the signings?
2: No, to be fair, I'd, I'd, I mean, the, especially... Keener, I've not really, not 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 really heard a lot about him at all. Obviously, spent it was his breakthrough season last year. Spent half of it in Spain, so he wasn't really visible to to, to English clubs. I, look, I think you know, with Anguisa going, uh, Chabala makes a lot of sense. I think that 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 one is the one that you you probably look at and say he's a signing for this season. Um, I think Keener's probably a similar one to Mooney's, really, in that. We've got other options in where he plays he looks like look looking at uh, his, his bio and stuff like that he looks like a more attacking midfielder whereas where whereas um that obviously sits and he's defensive and I, and I think you, you you know he's there for cover um and and with the opportunity to kind of look at him as a future sign and as I say in the same way as Muniz. I wouldn't expect him necessarily to play loads um the 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 interesting thing though is you know and we'll probably come on to it. Uh, another point but you, for me I mean you don't want to break up the three that's in there at the moment we've we I, you know Matt I've seen you at the away games you you you've been to the away games as well and 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 I've been I, I just think midfield we've looked really good. I think Seri's looked great. You can't drop Carvalho, and I think Onama's playing probably the best he's played as well. So I think it would be, but then I can't see a player like Chalobah coming in and, and, and wanting to sit on the bench. So I think there's there's interesting selection problems there. You've then got Reed coming back as well, of course. So I, I I do wonder. Sometimes you see it, and we saw it with Seri and Lamarchand. I do wonder if there's an element of Watford settling for a certain deal if we took the second player on loan to to, to to give him, you know, a bit more chance of, of first-team football than he would have got in the Premier League. And I wonder if there's something like that that happened for us to get Chalaba for, for what was, you know, essentially for what we're seeing as, as the the reported fee or, or, or what people's estimates of it is, is quite a low fee for a player of of that age and, and experience. So I wonder if there's something like that in the background with it. We'll never know, but it would make sense. And we, as, as I say, we've seen it before.
1: Danny, I want to bring you in here and I, I want to pick up on that point you just made about Harrison Reed, actually, because last season we were talking about him being one of the first names on the team sheet. But now I, I just don't see how he's going to get in the team. I know he can play right back. Uh, I don't really want to see Harrison Reed at right back though because I I like the right back to be uh, a more attacking player which I don't think Harrison Reed is. Josh Onema, uh he he does like sitting but he can also get forward and Seri's just got that incredible passing range which probably Harrison Reed hasn't got. So it's difficult to see how Harrison Reed gets back in. Danny, what what, what do you think? Does Harrison Reed get back in and also what do you make of these two new lads as well?
0: Yeah, uh, it's good competition for places. Um, and when everyone's fully fit I I honestly I don't I don't know what the best combination is going to be because the three we've got at the moment seem to complement each other really really well Um, all I'll say is that with Anguisa going I think it would have been incredibly naive for us not to bring in Chalaba at least because although it seems hunky-dory at the moment it's a long season and I, I don't think you can depend on Reid to be fit for a whole season. I think his track record with us uh, has shown that he does get pick up quite a few injuries. And Josh Onema and Seri haven't played that much football over the last couple of seasons. So, And, and then, of course, the other two were Carvalho and Francois, who are only young. So it's good to, to have a player in there that's got a really good pedigree uh, at championship level. Uh you know, for a long time he was the sought after loan for championship clubs and and, and last season at Watford he was um you know he played what 38 games in, in a team that got promoted. So yeah. I mean, um Dan, I'm I'm gone, sorry.
2: No, I was just gonna ask Dan. I mean but, but you know, based on that, and you've mentioned Francois, are we are we basically writing Kearney off for this season then and saying we don't expect to see him because of course he's the one the other one that plays, oh, he, he's more refined in that he has to play the advanced one of those midfield three, but he's still one of those mid midfield three and he's the only one we haven't mentioned. Do you yeah, think he's, right. he's, he's written off for the season?
0: It's a difficult one because he hasn't played since, I think it was Newcastle away when Anderson was sent off last December, which is a long time to be without your club captain. So I think it's not, I didn't, didn't leave him out on purpose. It's just one of those where I think if he's fit, bit like Congolo, then great it's an added bonus but you can never plan around them now uh that it doesn't look good for Kenny does it the longer he's out the the more doubt there is over whether he's ever going to get over these injury problems so it, it feels like the natural time to to move on um and 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 rebuild that midfield and start again so I'm um, I'm happy for Kenny to come back in and and push for his place, but to be honest with you, we're we're just we're very fortunate. I mean, this squad, if, and not not talking about the starting eleven, but the squad has got to be the the strongest in depth squad this level's ever seen, isn't it? I mean, even Tagana wasn't blessed with the options we have now. If you strip back that midfield past John Collins, Lee Clark, and Sean Davis. Who was next in in the midfield? Was it Nicholas sanoon Yeah, never played? I, I I
2: I kind of disagree that we're going to end up having an argument there. <laughs> I kind of disagree there because I think Sanou, I always thought looked a good player when we saw. He just didn't play very much because actually that midfield three was 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 pretty much ever present, right? And I think I, th- I think you're right. I think there's there was definitely. I don't think we had a le- lot of depth on the wings there. But then equally, you know what they had up top in that Tagana season was was completely different level to what we've got now. We've got one one player who, you know, might not have might not have even made you know the top two of that three players we had, um, and and no one else. And I think defensively they, they, they there was the cover there. I mean, you think, you know, you 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 obviously went with the first first choice two centre backs of Melville and Coleman, but you also add. Simons, who came in for Coleman when he was injured, you you, you know you you had some cover then. Alan Nielsen, we were talking about him the other day and how well he did in that classic game at Ewood Park and came on completely seamlessly after Brevett had been sent off. So I think there was more to that squad. I just think it was a very well-oiled machine that didn't really need the cover because actually we didn't have a lot apart from Coleman, we didn't have a lot of really long-term injuries to it. So I'd I'd argue I'd, I'd say definitely. With the possible exception of that, it's the strongest one we've seen um and actually, I think you know for me, it's by far i I said it's arguably on a Facebook comment earlier but i i was I was being a bit political there I'd say it's by far the best transfer window we've had under the ks because a we've brought in you know fifty percent of our sign or or sixty percent three out of five relatively early um B, there's not; it's not stacked up with loads and loads of loans, which which you you know my views on that, and and C, we've exited it, you you know with a very very strong squad. we we've actually not many, um, or, or no apparent clear holes in the squad, which we 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 always seem to have had. You know what well, what we were expecting to happen yesterday, but I want to come on to the players that left,
1: uh, in the in the summer as well. But what we, who were we expecting to leave was Cyrus Christie because Marco Silva said. He's surplus to requirements he hasn 't gone, but we 're now left with a quandary over who does play right back. I mentioned Harrison Reed earlier. Does Cyrus Christie come back in whilst Kenny Tetty 's injured, or does Dennis Adoy stay, stay there and I think Dennis Adoy is always a dependable option, if not spectacular i think I think he 's usually a seven out of ten um, but I think i 've said this a few times on previous podcasts with some, some of the other lads. Cyrus Christie is a really good championship right-back, especially in a team that likes to attack. And if he's with us, I'd, I'd certainly play him.
0: So, so yeah. This is, can I, sorry, can I, st- can I step in there? Just because um, yeah, sure. that co- coincides with what you said about the Tagana um, argument. I, th- I think the way squads are used now is completely different to what it was then. because obviously back then you only had five subs. Now, what is it now, nine? So I think there's more emphasis on, on the squad game than there was back in those days, more rotation. But but Chris I was, Chris is a good example of that. Tagana for me, had an incredible, what, 15 or 16 players. This squad at the moment has about 26. And I think most of them would walk into any other championship side. Um, it's almost like we've become the man city of the championship, whereas... Apart from one or two teams, the only side that probably could compete with our first eleven is our reserve eleven um If you was to put our backup eleven on paper, you know Rodak brian hector mawson Adoy, um I mean the argument for the midfield because there's so many of them it you know, i i I don't see. How anyone is going to be able to keep compete with that over the entire season? We just it, and and what worries me a little bit is: have we got too many options? Is there too many players to try and keep happy now? Um, I, yeah,
2: I I I think that support. I you know I I, I spoke to another friend earlier today, and I did say it, it, the one thing that concerns me is: are we cutting off? paths to the because he's going to have to play these players in games where other players need a rest or 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 in the cup games and stuff like that. And as a result, are we then cutting off the path to first team football for some of the, the youngsters? And we all know we've got a talented. I think pers- personal view is you're over egging it a little bit with the quality of the squad. I think if you if you put that first that the second eleven on paper and you know said to most Fulham fans, would you be happy with that being your first eleven? I I don't think many would expect us to be finishing in the playoffs with you know the 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 likes of you you know the players you've mentioned there being first choice and and certainly as you get further up the park I think that becomes more and more pronounced but I I do agree that we've got a lot of cover in the squad and we've got competition for for places in the right and and it is good I, I agree totally that we've got the best squad um, I mean, it,
0: it, yeah, we, if you did look at that that backup eleven, it's arguably the team that Parker went up
1: with. I was going to say, how many players in our squad have been promoted from the championship before? Oh, Loads, yeah, Loads. A, lot, a lot of them with us, multiple times. But other players as well that have been promoted previously. It's it's insane the experience that's in this squad. Not
2: not not only that, you're you're absolutely right, Matt. Not only that though, if you actually look at the number of them that have been in representational divisional teams of the year, mm. that have won divisional player of the season. I mean, I think that you know, when when I looked at it when when in the Parker promotion season, I think you had four or five Divisional Player of the Seasons in there because you, you you know Knockart won it a couple of times. I mean, maybe not four or five different individuals, but on four or five occasions, a player that mm. was now playing for Fulham had won it. So I, th- I think you know they're, they're not not only promotion winning, but very you know highly rated as well. It is it is very good, but I do. But but then equally, I do think you know if you're playing. Hector all, all the way through the season or you're playing, you, you, you know, some of the players, then, then then it's not quite so strong. So I, I, I don't, I think it's a bit up and down um, in terms of the, like being able to interchange if, if a player's suspended or injured. As I say, I think obviously up front is where the biggest issue is there. But overall, we yeah, we've got cover and there's still players that I'd like to see under a different manager that we, we saw under, like um, Knockhart. You know, I think, we were all disappointed with Knockhart. He started okay, but really never sort of pre- pressed on and did what he'd done. Pre- I, I remember him at Brighton tearing us one down at the Amex when we lost 5-0 down there, and he looked, he looked a different class. Um, and we, we never seemed to have got the player that we thought we'd got there. So I, 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 I'm excited to see him under Silver as well. The only other thing I'd say, Matt, before we move on, if we, if we, we need to move on, is that the, the, what you said at the, right at the opening of that, I I'd, I'd say potentially it's the only criticism I'd have of Silva so far and I think his man management seems a lot better than Parker's and 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 what 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 I've liked most about this season you know other than, other than putting teams to the sword and scoring a few goals is actually seeing the players play with a smile on their face and that's that's been lovely to see the only the only slight criticism I'd have of Silva is, is I don't understand why we've handled the Christie situation in the way we did. Coming out publicly saying, you know, he hasn't got a future at the club, stuff like that. That 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 comment was made after the injury to Tete and risking having a player that, that you know, they're, they're not obviously um, Cyrus isn't going to be over the moon with that, with his nose out, a joint when... We we hadn't brought in a replacement for Ted, and actually what's what, what has ended up transpiring is we haven't been able to bring in the right back. And he's probably our second choice after O'Doy, and we will need him at some point. That it, it that it feels like that was a little bit misjudged, and 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 it's probably the only thing I can say that about with Silver so far. That's the only situation I think he, he might have slightly misjudged.
1: Yeah I agree with you and I I said to you earlier when we were talking about this as well it just feels like it's a portuguese trait doesn't it because he's not the first portuguese person or portuguese manager to come out and criticize his players publicly Yeah. Uh, not criticize but you know make a make a remark like that so yeah um let, let's move it on and talk about the players that have left the club this summer um Marcus Bessinelli and Kevin McDonald of course were both released earlier in the summer Stefan Johansson signed for QPR and then Maxime Lamarchon and um, Abu Kamara both left. But the, the, the Zambo and Guisa one on deadline day, or the day before deadline day in the end, was a very interesting one because he'd been rumoured to be on his way all summer. And then he signed a contract extension and left for Napoli. Danny, what, what did you make of that? There's a few kind of schools of thought here, aren't there, as, as to why, we, why we've done that or why he may have done that?
0: Yeah, I suppose Fulham have got to protect their, their investment in the player. Uh, they don't want to lose him for nothing, so I, I don't. I, I mean, you, you've gone to the wrong person there. You should have gone to Tristan about the like the the financial reasons why we. Yeah, did that. I, I,
2: think, I, I think Dan, it's it's a really simple one with Angie. So I think he's. Um, I think there's a, there, there's an element of us. You know, we're not going to want to lose him on a free, um, but actually, you, you you know, there's a very it's a very important definition with with contract renewals or contract extensions that happen over a player. And when 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 you see it quite often when you sign players and you have options um, for another year or another two years, um, and 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 that phraseology is quite important because when it's when it's a contract extension, it allows you to to amortize. We we discuss. You know, we're not going <laughs> to recap the whole amortization mess, but. You, it allows you to to amortise what what remains of that player's book value over the over the period of the contract that that it has now become. So uh, effectively, by extending him for another year from a five year to a six year deal, it, it, it spreads out. I think we were looking at about twelve million left as residual value and instead of that hitting our accounts at 6 million a season over the next two seasons it will actually drop it to 4 million a season over the next three seasons so it gives us about a two year 2, two million um in year benefit to our P&L, which i think we are probably got you know by the, by the looks of the, the 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 um wilson deal that we've obviously you, you know pushed that back for a year um in, in terms of that cost going into our accounts. If you look at, you know, the relatively low cost transfers we've done, I think it's all been done with FFP in mind and, and definitely the Anguisa extension. So it's so a very important there. And, and you saw how it was phrased. It was phrased as a contract extension rather than a new contract. Um, and 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 that's why they would have done that. I think that would have been the main driver behind it. One thing I can come to you on, Danny,
1: moving things on, Speaking of new contracts, the main man, Alexander Mitrovic, signing his new deal last week and then celebrating it with a goal at the weekend.
0: Well, it's, it's funny. When we was on our way back from, from Huddersfield after the 5-1, I put a tweet out from my account of saying that if Mitro stays in this window and scores the goals that get us back to the Premier League for a third time, he will he will go down as one of our greatest players, not necessarily because he's the best, but because of his loyalty to the club and what he's achieving. Um, I think we're very lucky to have him. Uh, And I think in my lifetime, um, I would say, I mean, I'm not going to compare it to Simon Morgan because what Simon Morgan did for Fulham was was a one-off and in completely different circumstances. But I would say that Mitrovic and Sam Morgan are the only players I would say whose loyalty to the club has really been proven for staying through, with us through difficult times when they were clearly too good for the level we were at. So I, I love him. How can you not? He, his his uh, passion, his enthusiasm, when he's on it, it, it he's, the, he's probably the most popular player I can remember. I mean, how, who else could take over our day at Wembley with their own song? And have all his teammates singing it. Thirty-eight thousand fans. He's he's one of a kind. Uh, and although we've had better strikers, I would argue he's probably the most lovable. So I'm absolutely chuffed. And if he stays fit and he's on fire, then it's very hard to see who's going to stop us. I know, I know that sounds arrogant, but yeah, you know, when you're good, you just, just got to. You've got to admit, you're good. And, and at the moment, we are absolutely fine.
2: I I bumped into a... I, I went up to Scotland on holiday last week and um, I bumped into a West Brom fan on his way back from a... I can't, I can't remember who they were playing. And he, he came up to me in the service station and just said to me, us and you are walking this league this year. And I, 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 I kind of, you know, friendly fan, nodded at him and agreed, but secretly in my head thought, you ain't going to be anywhere near us, mate. <laughs> you know, and I, and I'm not. I I am really not one of those fans that is overconfident with our chances. Usually, you know, I'm I, I'm always a little bit. All oh, this could go wrong. This could go. I I can't say. I I think we've been so good, and 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 I kind of I I, I turn around. Matt was stood kind of vertically behind me at Huddersfield, and I I, I kind of. Turned at him when the when the fourth one got okay because it was that it was almost reminiscent of that game. I don't know if either of you two were at it, but the Watford game away under Tigana when yeah. we were we 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 were a, a two two nil up and cruising. Helgerson's bundled in a goal and the whole stadium's gone up. Watford have gone up expecting this grandstand finish and they didn't get the ball and we made it three one. And it was exactly the same at Huddersfield. It was three it was three one. We Wilson had just been sent off. Everyone's expecting, you know. We made a change, brought on another attacking player, and Carvalho's gone down the other end and scored. And at that point, I just turned round to Matt and just sort of shrugged my shoulders as if to say, mm. Yeah, we're just too good. And the thing is, a lot of people that day said you won't you won't play a worse side than Huddersfield. They haven't lost another game this that's the only game they've yeah. lost this season. Yeah. So they're not they, that bad. They turned Reading
1: over 4-0 at the weekend, didn't they? They're they're flying yeah. at the moment. Well, you what was that quote you sent me from Mitro um earlier? Yeah, it it
2: in, so so it was in there's a there, there, there's a um Serbian um, outlet that does that covers a lot of the players, and there was a quote in there just saying, um, a, you, you know, about why Mitrovic would have stayed at, at, at Fulham when obviously mm. there was some interest from in bigger leagues. And I think there's a lot of kind of pressure on that way of thinking because the I don't know if you've heard of him. This guy, Dusan Vlajevic has has really exploded in Italy and scored loads of goals for, for Fiorentina. You've obviously got Jovic at Real Madrid, and it feels like for the first time in quite a long time, there's genuine competition for the place in the national team for mitrovic and 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 there was a yeah there was a quote in mozart sport this 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 um media outlet where where he said um an old serbian phrase that translates into english it's better to be first in 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 a town than last in a city and you you know i think that that kind of sums his attitude up he wants to be playing he doesn't want to be sat around on the bench at a, a bigger club um, you know, not not playing. His main driver is playing every every week, and I think that was why it really, really got to him under, under Parker. But I thought I've read it, and I thought, you know, what a great, great, great quote. It's very clear that the guy loves playing for Fulham, and he feels very at home there. So I think you have to feed that into what Danny's saying as well uh, in in terms of him being, uh, 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 you know, such a such a fan, uh, such a player that's got a bond with the, the, the fan base and I think that's why I was a little bit disappointed where a proportion of that kind of turned a bit last year because I thought that was a little bit unfair um, given the circumstances but that's a whole Pandora's box that I won't get into now. <laughs> sure.
1: All right mate well you've already said that you think that this summer's transfer window has been our best under the so How would you rate it Danny?
0: Yeah I'd have to agree um, and I think the the most encouraging thing for me is that it seems like a, a lot of lessons have been learned from previous mistakes. Um, Keener was the only loan we brought in, uh, well, effectively. It depending on how you determine that Wilson deal, and it just seemed a more long-term vision uh, with the manager having a much bigger say, or also, if it, it seems. Um, and it, yeah, I'm, I'm. I feel like. For the first time, the squad isn't lopsided. We have a very well-balanced squad with covering every position, bar maybe a backup for Mitrovic, but I think that was always going to be the hardest position to fill because whoever came in was always going to be the backup for Mitrovic. So it was very, it's very difficult to get in a good striker that's going to want to sit on the bench. So I, I feel ov- overall, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're arguing about you know getting they were worried about getting in a right back i mean how greedy can you be you know we've got we've got the biggest squad options in every position you know if we do get a couple of injuries along the way you know that's what happens i i feel like we are very well equipped to cope with anyone getting injured except for mitrovic um so very very happy and now we just need that little bit of luck along the way, you know. You, you, Ghana had that bit of luck. People like Sahar stayed apart from Coleman. We did pretty well with injuries uh, that season, uh, and if we can have that bit of luck this season, then I, you know, who, who knows? We we could we could absolutely storm it, couldn't we? I think we may well just do that. All right,
1: boys. Well, we're going to come on and talk about the financial side a little bit more after this. Fulham. Well, there's been quite a bit made of the fact that the value of our squad is significantly more than other teams in the Championship. And let's name and shame the, the second tier podcast for uh, for winding people up on social media about this. And personally, I've not got a problem with the second tier at all. They're a nice nice couple of lads. And, you know, I do a few bits for them from time to time, um, Fulham bits um uh, but the fact that the fact that they're saying that it puts a division at an unfair dis- disadvantage or an unfair advantage in, in our favour i suppose is this any different to any other season surely no. it's not this, this happens every year right
2: yeah and and, and actually the, the 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 fundamental way that parachute payments are done ensures that it doesn't change so since 2016 17 it was it was it was changed from a four year four year um, drop of payments to, to, to three year um, and actually how they've done it now is that it's not a set amount of money it's a percentage of what the central award or the overall um, sort of share of tv revenue if you will um, that gets allocated to the premier league
0: that
2: gets allocated to the relegated clubs and the way it works is it's 55 percent Of the central award, so if a Premier League gets 100 million, then full, you know, Fulham West Brom would get 55 million, 55 percent of the central award in year one, 45 percent in year two, and 20 percent in year three, and that's that's how it's done. So actually, even if the even if that prize money fluctuates and goes up, which sometimes it does if new broadcasting deals come in and things like that, the the share remains the same. So, yeah, absolutely. It's it, There's no difference. It's not just us either. So, that you know, we're not... They don't go, oh, what, we're going to give the parachute payments to one relegated club. So, the fact that they're picking they're picking on us, I mean, like you, I'm not that bothered by it. But, you know, the fact that they're picking us out particularly... Well, Sheffield United and West Brom have got that as well. If they're not using it, that's down to them. Bournemouth had it last year, you know, and they're, they're still getting their 45% this year. So, they're not really much different. Um the 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 only kind of alteration to that, and 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 that's kind of affected us uh, this time around, and and when we got promoted, is that those payments obviously stop once you get promoted back to the Premier League. If you if you do it within that time frame, so um, last time we would have only received year one, and and if we go up this year again, we'll only a, a achieve year one. Now, it's also criticism of that is also really short sighted because. Ultimately, it is done to safeguard clubs financially. It's not done to give them an unfair advantage. But what the football regulators kind of understand is that you can't just cancel a load of contracts. You can try and move players on. You can try and sign them. You can try and put in relegation you know, wage drop clauses. But ultimately, if you sign a player who's on a particular contract, it has to be upheld unless one of those things happen. And what the parachute payments do is is soften the impact of that and, and ensure that clubs basically aren't going into administration if they get relegated, which if they didn't have parachute payments, probably you'd see happen a lot more than does. And it's not, you know, you can see from our business, it's not like we've hoarded up a load of signings and spent tens of millions on players. Our our, our net in, input into, you know, weight, uh, transfers this season, when you when you consider how the Wilson thing's been done and the cost of Muniz and, Chalabar amortised is probably no more than four or five million at absolute most. So, you, you know, it's not like we're going out there spending the 30 million because, you know, you know, we're just rinsing parachute money. That's not how it works. It's, isn't the problem here
1: less to do with clubs coming down and needing parachute payments, but the, the amount that you have to spend to try and be competitive when you go up in the first place and then the kind of remnants of what's left when you come back down after that. You know, you could do in Norwich, but Norwich never compete in the Premier League. They, they're a classic yo-yo club. They, they'll go down, they'll, they'll get promoted again, spend next to nothing and go down again. And they're happy just to move, move up and down. Whereas with us, at least we have a go. And if you have a go, then like you say, with the contract situation, you still have to one of those contracts when you come back down.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, and and I find it, weird, you know, if you look at, we mentioned it on the last podcast, the, the the state villa were in after they came down. I mean, they, I don't remember them getting anywhere near the grief we're getting, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they they were much worse financially mm. than us, and they were going out and bringing in players like John Terry, and you know, I'm sure he weren't playing for a packet of cheese and onion. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not, I don't, I I think we're we're attracting a bit of unfair criticism because people just we're not a trendy club in terms of uh you know, people like to think of the big clubs as they define them in the championship and we're not one of those. They'd love to see a Forest or or someone like that be at the top end. So yeah, sorry Dan, I I can see you 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 virtually waving, so I'll let you jump in.
0: Oh no, no, it's it's not it's not a big deal. Um no, it's just uh I was gonna say, obviously with Norwich and Watford going straight back up last season pretty comfortably if the same happens this season with with us and West Brom, the Championship's in danger of losing that that brand it has of being the most competitive league in the in in the world. You know, it, I, it's becoming the gap between the Premier League and the Championship is coming is getting bigger and bigger, um, and I could see that becoming a pattern over the next few years. That two of the three that go down end up going straight back up, um, just through just through default of, of just having a stronger squad and, and financially being better off uh, and I, I don't think covid is going to help that
2: i'm not um I, I i know it's happened a couple of years but i'm not convinced that a couple of years is a pattern i'd i'd like i i i i think you'd have to see it happen over over a couple more seasons for because there are we. I I think we've actually managed the finances quite well, and I think we we we've really every single blooming loophole you could go to this this summer we have done because we've had to, but we've managed that situation quite well. But you know, there are clubs that don't. You know, Sheffield United. I, I think they've you know obviously rate Jurcanovic, but I, and they've got a good manager in place. But I don't think they're going to feature this year. I think you know Villa took four years to come back. We took four years, you know, first time around. I, I think there's. Plenty of examples actually where clubs haven't bounced straight back. Bournemouth, you know, they're down this year, and and I can't see them go back up this year. Um, you know, there's plenty of examples of clubs that ha- that haven't bounced back. So I'm not sure if we're picking up on it just because it's happened this season and 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 kind of thinking, oh, this is a this is a try. For me, one or two seasons isn't a trend. So I'd 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 need to see it happen over more be- before I'd I'd completely agree with you, Dan. But I do. Yeah, I think there's a fundamental and, and I think you see it with the gaps in the Premier League where you've got, you know, clear divides there now between the haves and the haves not. It's not even just divisional now where, where the money's split in. It's, it, it's actually within division and what you could end up with is is what I think you're alluding to, which is the same situation in the Championship where effectively you have eight to ten teams. Three of which would be the ones that have come down, and then another six or seven that are perpetually always in that top ten. And that's not, no one. Wants that I mean, even even one of the clubs that's in that top ten wouldn't want that.
0: I don't think. I mean, it's it's early days, so it's, it's too hard to say at the moment. But based on what we've seen so far, I would just say that over the last couple of seasons, the, the division just seems to be significantly weaker than it than it usually is. Um, rather than necessarily. We are just really, really strong. Uh, I think it's a combination of both. Um, I just, it doesn't seem as competitive as it normally is. I mean, would you just say that is down to COVID and it's a temporary, temporary um, dip?
2: I d- I'm not. No, I'm not sure if it's down to COVID. I d- but you'll you'll get seasons though. I think. I think you will get seasons where, you know, the division is either very strong or or. or, or... You know, under under par for the the level of the clubs in it. I think you know the the season, the first season, we made the playoffs. I didn't think it was a bar. I didn't think Brighton were outstanding. I thought we could have beaten them both games when we weren't even in particularly good form. I think you know we did beat Newcastle both games, and they they kind of those two ran away with it. So I I didn't think you know that was a, that was a particularly strong lead. Um and, and I think, you know, so we have seen it when it's been like that before. We just haven't taken advantage of it. I think this is the season when we can do it. But I yeah, I don't know that COVID would have had an impact really. Because actually the financial um kind of allowances that are being built in for COVID I think are overcompens. I think they're a bit higher than the actual impact's been. They seem to be slightly more than, you know, the the, the loss through gate receipts and stuff. So I I I don't know that it's hit. As hard as we would have expected, all right,
1: well, we've got a couple of minutes left, Tristan. I just wanted to ask you one more thing about parachute payments, just to kind of round this off. What would happen to a club financially if they went down and didn't receive parachute
2: payments? Well, look I think uh, we we used the word fire sale before and and I think you you're you're absolutely there, and I think you're you're forcing a club's hand to 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 sell or release players um for for way below what what they would normally be holding out for um and I think they would still probably fail f f p for the most part if you look at it in context you know our our parachute payments this season going by what we're we we, we generally get through you know you, you know your sponsorships and gate receipts and stuff like that if you factor in. The parachute payments as a proportion, it would be something like seventy percent of our revenue is is parachute payments. Now, we talked about the massive loss we 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 made, you know, last time out, and and I think this would this the, you know you you add to that the deduction of seventy percent of the revenue, seventy percent of the turnover, and and obviously that you're talking about best part of probably a hundred million loss instead of a forty million loss. So I think it's you, you, you know, that's the scale of the issue if those were to get removed.
1: Just looking at the championship table, um just to look at the clubs that have been in the Premier League semi-recently. <clears throat> you've got QPR, you've got Huddersfield, Stoke, Bournemouth, Birmingham, I don't know where the last time Blackburn were there, Middlesbrough, Derby were there a few years ago, Hull, Swansea, Reading, Sheffield United. All these clubs will have received parachute payments. So the message for them has just got to be be better,
2: hasn't it? And stop winging. Yeah, I, I, and 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 look, Matt. I think we. I don't think we were better. I, I think we 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 handled it terribly at first. I think I you know we, when we first got relegated, we made one of probably one of the biggest balls ups of it that that we possibly could in the way that we handled. It. I mean, the whole thing around the. Ruiz transfer in the January that led to us actually failing FFP and getting the embargo and stuff. I mean, that was it was just pure incompetence, right? And I think it it it's, it shows how much, actually, for all the criticisms we have of the Karns and, and all the rest of it, that there has been a, a le- it might have been a slower learning curve than everyone wanted, but there has been a learning curve. Yeah. And we've actually, as I've said, we've played the rules and the loopholes as well as we could have done this summer it's been it's been very, very well done, and yeah, absolutely do it better is i I think you know you rattle through that list and and you've probably got seven or eight clubs in the league that not only have been in the Premier League but but, are, but are, as of this season still going to be receiving parachute payments, so it's not it, you know there's definitely the financial opportunities there for the clubs um, to be able to do that, but you've got to manage it right.
0: Yeah, I think um, a lot a lot of the criticism of us, it still stems from that 100 million we spent, I think that's still hanging over us. Um, I, I don't know when people are going to ever get, let that go. I just wondered, uh, Tristan, when, when will that stop having an impact on our finances for FFP? And that when, when can we finally say, we can draw a line under it. I know we've still got Seri and Mawson and Gisa still on the books, but but when can we say right now we can draw a line under it? Stop talking about it. It's gone. Well,
2: I think I think after this season, to be honest, mate, I think look, look you've got that. You know, the, the start of the, the start of that season is day one of of season one, and 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 we're now kind of. What a month or so into into season four, and and most of the contracts were were four year, um, some were five, some have had extensions. Class, so there will be a, a, a small residual value going into next season, and 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 possibly even a little bit the following season in Anguissa's case. But you're talking a couple of million, not tens of millions. Um, and 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 I think so. So so the bulk of it will wash through this year. In, in terms of the amortisation, you might not notice it wash through that much because then the following season, we've then gone and signed, you know, Reed Carvalho, you, you know, um, uh, knockout, you know, all all for pretty sizable fees. So there's there, there, there's some knock-on from that as well. But it will, I mean, a, a, as we mentioned on the last podcast, it's kind of between 40 and 45 million, has been for the last couple of seasons, will be this season. Um I I'd expect that to to half if not more. So realistically I think yeah this is the last season with the big hanger. And and you know going back to the first point you've made there there's a lot of kind of criticism of us that stems from that. We do it as well. I mean I'm still critical of us because of that. And, and and probably everyone on this call and most people listening to it it was carnage. I you know not not using Ooh, a Oh nice a, pun. A, um, no, 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 I like it. It was, it, was a, it was a great pun that I didn't even think of. Yeah, I can't believe we've never that, used that before. <laughs> it was, it was carnage, as, as 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 we say, you know, and and really scattergun and chalk and cheese to what we've just seen, which has been methodical, getting the right players that the manager wants that fit in with the squad. Happy days, right?
1: All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the show, Tristan. Brilliant. As always, thanks for coming back on, mate. And Danny, thanks as always for your time as well. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to the Fulham Focus podcast if you don't already do so on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you may care to get your podcast from. Please do also follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Fulham underscore focus and on Instagram at Fulham Focus. Also check out our website at FulhamFocus.com where you'll find plenty of great content in addition to the podcast. We'll be back on Thursday next week with your Blackpool preview and that game has been earmarked for a cracking little away day bonanza by a few of us for quite some time now, so plenty to be looking forward to. Thanks for listening, folks. Speak to you next week. Cheers. Cheers.